Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Die Living Podcast. guys welcome back to other ne- another episode of the dialing podcast today we have special guest on is mike lee he is the director of coaching and the head coach at opex if anybody know who doesn't know who he really is right now he is actually marcus philly's coach along with uh Tanielle reed who just took um top five in, in the games uh, six. she got six or six yeah six well she is actually the fittest girl in yeah, on the States. USA. So I'll tell you all about that too if you ever ask her. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is like I actually know of her, dude, because back in 2011, 2012 timeframe when I was competing in CrossFit, like mm. um, I used to travel down to Phoenix and compete at the Infinity Strength Games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chad's, uh, Chad Schreiner's uh, gym. Yeah. Yeah. So you remember about those. So I remember when they used to be, you know, Marcus Cordova. Um, all those guys from OPEX would come down and throw down. And, uh, at that time period, I was just getting involved into CrossFit and I was, had just kind of started like messing around with programming and actually was with CJ Martin and Tino from Invictus at the time. And I remember seeing her come down and throw down with all those guys. I remember, I remember like the growth she's had has been amazing. Right. And it's always something that, you know, when we, us as coaches, whenever we're working with these athletes to get them to that high level, it's not about the programming as they get to that level. Now it's about the other, the other 23 hours they do or 22 hours outside of the gym that they do sleep, eat recovery, um, how they balance out their stress with not just home, boyfriend, girlfriend, sleep. They really have to have it all balanced out. And it's been a great, it's been a great progression that we've seen, you know, um, it's something I've been harping with my athletes. I have a couple, you know, Rachel Sterno is one of my top girls in SoCal and I've had her for four years and we've only progressed every single year. And it's like, you know, I listened to your podcast with the mind muscle project that you just did recently. And I really love that you said, you said it perfect, dude. You were like, you know, I don't take credit for my athletes success, right? Like to have a girl that's finished top three in SoCal and then go team and then have all the incidents that happen. I I just write the plan, make sure she's following it, make sure she's doing the stuff outside the gym properly. She's the one that puts the hard work in. Yeah. And, and, and that really stuck home to me when you said that, dude. So I'm going to go ahead and pass over the mic to you now, dude. And cool. welcome. Yeah, it was a great introduction. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's just end it now. Was, <laughs> no, but you said a, a lot of good stuff in there. And, and what I uh, meant on the My Muscle Project, um, you spoke to it perfectly. But I just I just removed myself from the, the, the capacity to have any attachment the athlete can say or look elsewhere other than within themselves to succeed. So I think if you ingrain that in, in the athletes, they, they begin to just accept that they, they create their own destiny uh, within the, the context of the sport or whatever they're doing or w- w- like whatever the goal is. Yeah. If they don't start accepting that responsibility, they'll always look elsewhere. Um, and I like to call myself a, a coach, as do you. Um, I'm not a cheerleader. I don't sit there and say hoorah-rah and, and make sure they feel all warm and fuzzy after every time they come off the floor. Uh, it's the execution and the plan that set them up to go into a workout or go into a, whatever the goal is with some confidence, and that's on them. Um, I set them up to get there, but I don't, I don't take credit once they get there. And then when they come off and they deserve uh, a, a job well done, I, I give them a fist pound and say, okay, what's next? What, what is the next thing that you need to focus on to ensure that you're successful? Whatever is coming. Because uh, I think there's too much, like, oh, my gosh, that was so great. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you still got 12, 
14 workouts left in the weekend. Let's save our energy and, and look at uh, how we get to the next level and, and keep it consistent throughout. Yeah, one thing that really stuck with me too, and haven't dropped it yet, but Brian McKenzie calls himself a human a human performance consultant. Yeah. Right. So we're we're actually just human performance consultants. You know, yeah, we are strength conditioning coaches. We we tell the the athletes, hey, this is the plan, but it's on you to execute it. Right. It's their human instincts to handle how they want to break the reps up, how they want to rest, um, how you know what time they're going to bed at night, what they're eating and putting into their system. Right. It's human instincts. They know what's best. And I actually really love the fact that you know on the individual programming design. Um, you know, a little bit of my background. I, I was with Train Think Tank as an individual athlete for a little bit when I decided to come back and be a competitive crossfitter um, and kind of just realized like, hey, that wasn't the route that I needed to go. Um, and this takes us into the realm of really learning the balance of between understanding coach-athlete relationship, right? And really dictating like, hey, look, I listen to you because you know your body better than I do. Yeah. I don't live in it. I don't, I don't sit there with you 22 hours a day. I might see you a couple of times in the week or whatever else, but most of the time though, it's on you, right? So you know your, better body, your body better than I do. And uh, I had to take a break for a little bit. And uh, this brings me to one of the athletes that you coach right now, Dennis Cheatham, who's actually been to the games mm -hmm. um, as, a, as a master's, um, he's taken a couple of breaks, whatever else. He, you know, his goals, is, we just had a conversation. We had our consultation this morning, just our weekly one, just got back from a trip. But he even said too, like his past goal last year was to come into the open and finish the qualifiers without being injured. Right. And, and like, that's yeah. a great goal, right? Yeah. Like that's a great goal for him personally. And I, and the thing that I want to bring up with this now is a lot of times what happens is the athlete or tactical athlete, cause that's what, you know, we, yeah, sure. we focus on here at, at a soft lead is these guys don't understand how to set these small goals that are going to lead them to the bigger goals at the end of the day. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, I think too, it's, it's, a uh, you have to establish great lines of communication up front as a coach, uh, whether that be tactical athlete or whether that be the, the sport of fitness in, in any, in any realm, if you establish that base of support and, and allowing yourself to communicate well with the athlete or the client, um, you, you then can, can establish the capacity to be really involved and ingrained in everything that they do. Uh, Cause if that relationship is good and the communication good, like you said, you have a consultation. It's like, okay, now we're, we're really aligning those goals and setting them up for success. Well, then you as the coach can then have the trust to say, dude, that is an unrealistic goal. This is, this is actually what I hear you saying. And this is what we can do to eventually get you to that point. If that truly is overarching underneath what you want, what we see a lot of times is people like, Oh yeah, I want to win the CrossFit games. Right. That's just one that I hear all the time. I'm like, okay, well, where'd you finish in the open last year? And they're like, well, I was in the European region. I finished 1500th. And I'm like, all right, we got some work to do. Let's do this yeah, for sure. So, so there's, there's those small things. So you always want to give the individuals these small goals along the way to set them up for success and set, set them up for fulfillment, whatever they're doing. If you do that, then that's a, a great relationship that's established. It's a good trust because they're seeing success. They're growing. And as a coach, you can kind of just sit back and be the, the painter of the canvas and just yeah. watch it, um, you know, carry out uh, in terms of the training and lifestyle, et cetera. Yeah. And the communication portion is actually huge, man. Like I said, I, you know, I was, I was fortunate to be able to go through softly, you know, helping with some continued education. I've been doing that like crazy, but I went through the certification for the training think tank and the plan next is to go through the OPEX one. Um, I'm really big in, in just in learning and to really bring in as much possible to it because you think about OPEX is not just the sport of CrossFit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and the same thing for softly. We're not just the sport of a tactical athlete. You, you know, we're here to create a better lifestyle and optimize human potential outside of the gym. I mean, our models die living for yeah. a certain reason, right? Like 
I want you to be able to go out and do everything you want to do to the fullest and not have to worry about, oh, I can't do this because I'm not healthy or whatever else. Yeah. And with tactical athletes, like, man, we, we work with a lot of them. Um, and we have multiple coaches here that are, that are kind of ingraining themselves as, as a specific coach to help those guys develop because I, I can't say it enough, but the more they can become resilient, the better they are at their jobs. Um, and that's what people miss. And that's why, you know, CrossFit and kicking the shit out of tactical athletes is not always the best route. Um, you have to look at their, what they have to eventually do. Okay. You have to look at what they eventually have to go through, whether they're special forces, like what, what, wherever they're going, my guys call it vacation. Oddly enough, I, I put that around quotes because I know what that means, <laughs> uh, but they go and, and then honestly, if you set them up for resilience and you set them up to go do whatever they need to do, you, you've done, you've done your job as a coach. Um, and then of course, when they get back, uh, you, you have to unravel it and say, okay, well, how do we get you back to, to performing and, and doing what you need to do in your day-to-day activity? Oddly enough, and I'm sure you can speak to this, a lot of times actually their lives get better when they're deployed because uh, they have some sort of consistency. So it's always that fine line of wavering, you know, when they get back and forth and just creating enough resilience. I, I call it the stress cup. If you, if you manage the stress cup as much as possible for those guys, they have the capacity to go do what they need to do and whatever the task may be when it's called upon. So I think there's a fine line. And I think we look at CrossFit as a, as an avenue for individuals to improve fitness, but it's in the context of the sport of CrossFit. Um, so we have to look at those two things and say, okay, what are these individuals goals? If they want to compete in CrossFit when they're back, well then great. You know, that's their goal, but it, it's always aligning those things specifically with those guys uh, to ensure they understand the continuum of what it means to be really good at what they do and also just have enough to, to stay alive when they go out to uh, execute overseas or wherever they're going. Yeah, exactly. And I look at the tactical athlete as a professional athlete, right? Their sport is to go and fight bad guys, right. put rain, uh, rounds down range, make sure the guy to lift and ride them are okay. And they're not just shooting. They're not just in gunfights. They need to know how to patrol. They need to know how to set up hide sites. And I'm talking about the soft guy. I'm not talking about your normal right. grunt. Right. Um, we're talking about being able to do medical type training also on a guy who gets shot in the chest. Right. And now we got to do stuff like that. Um, put a tourniquet on a guy who gets his leg blown off. You know, we have to be able to have these guys ready for all of those things. And it's funny you say that, like whenever guys go on deployments, they're actually stress levels actually drop. And it's hundred percent true, right? Like right now I'm doing a lot of work and experimenting right now and researching with breathing work and meditation mm -hmm. to really get into the brainstem of really opening up that, that cortex to really be like, all right, cool. Like this is how I can downregulate myself. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll get deeper into that later on. But when we look at this for the athlete at, on the deployment, you know, it's like, all right, cool. These guys are not getting completely stressed out because they're not getting, they're not getting worried about bills. They're not worrying about girlfriends, not worrying about family. They're not worried about all they gotta do is take care of the guy to the left and right of them, right. wake up, eat, go on a patrol, hold security, maybe some gunfights here and there or whatever else. The only real stress is either a gunfight or something happens really crazy, right? But after that, that's all that's really coming down the realm. Again, is that a high stress environment? Yes, it is. But it, it levels out to what they were doing back home. And I think the bad, the, the, the problem that we have right now for the guys coming back from deployments is we're not setting them up for success to downregulate them to get back into the, uh, the normal state of mind for civilian world. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and and I, we, we use the term resilience all the time. And I think you, you do a great job of explaining uh, the cortex and we can get into sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system and, and how, how we want to just shape those things and have those guys be enough in a state of a parasympathetic state to have enough energy 
to when they have to go flip it on, they can go full bore and flip it on yeah. live essentially. So um, I, I would agree with that 100%. Um, in, the, in the big picture of things, I think that as those individuals come back, the more and more I would agree, we have to work on transitions of like everything that has to go on in their heads and everything that has to go on in their lifestyles to, to be able to move back into civilian society. But I think there's a lot of uh, good energy put into a lot of different programs uh, to, to get them back in. I don't know specifically like who exactly is doing yeah. those things, but there's a lot out there I know. Um, but I think what they're missing is that fitness and other characteristics of fitness is a very powerful avenue and tool to get those guys back into that consistency aspect. And that's why I think fitness is really magical because you can use it as this uh, point to, to develop some consistency, develop some routine, develop circadian rhythm again, all those things that we know that they need to have after going like this up and down, you know, for months and months and months or possibly years uh, to wherever they're deployed to. So I think that's part of it that has to be a big picture item is there have to be has to be this this like list of things in my brain that says, okay, this is what it's going to take to move these guys back into to consistency of lifestyle. And, and the way I look at this too, it's the same way with the CrossFit games. Yeah. Right. So we look at the CrossFit games, the CrossFit games was a five, a five day, I call it hell week, right? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's Dave Castro's hell week for all the games <laughs> athletes is what I look at it as, right? Like, um, but once these guys get done with hell week, these guys are just blown out, yeah. done. And they really can't recover. I, I can't even tell you, I don't even think two to three weeks is enough for some of these athletes to recover. Yeah, I, I think four weeks is actually, you know, four to five weeks and maybe first two weeks off you know, Hey, how about you get in some food? How about you focus on sleep? How about you focus on breathing work and, yeah. you know, prioritize that. All right. Hey, what's the first thing you can do when you wake up? Let's breathe. Let's focus on some breathing work. All right. What's the next thing you want to do? Okay. Let's go ahead and eat. Yeah. All right. And then after that, let's go ahead and get in some movement work. And when I say movement work, maybe some movement flow, some Edo Portel, yeah. some, Love all those, right. it's all it is, right? Like, so I look at that now and, and, and that's one thing that's been super, I've been super blessed with you know, like being able to work in the soft communities and be an instructor with that realm and then be able to come work with a CrossFit athlete and kind of marry them together and be like, all right, cool. I can look at these two athletes as similar as, and when we say similar as I don't mean, I don't mean like competition wise, I mean right. training protocols and yeah. you know, approaches how to help them recover faster. Yeah, man. And you, you said you hit it on the head and it's also a good uh, correlation that we can bring up is lots of times when individuals are, are there at the first time and this, maybe you can speak to the deployment aspect, but they're there for the first time to CrossFit games. They need six to eight weeks maybe of doing almost nothing because they're just there. They're there to like smile and wave lots of times when they go into the CrossFit games after that first time, based upon emotional stress, um, physical stress, just all those things that come into play, they are completely drained. So, you know, if you looked at their labs, if you looked at their blood, if you looked at all those things, you can just see it in their face, they're drained. And my philosophy is if you look at a lot of the individuals that towards the end of the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, honestly look like death, the actual training that they did for the entire year or years past was not done properly to prepare them for that moment. Um, and I think that's why you see some individuals accelerate and some individuals fall off because the training is not geared to set them up for those successes, which now plays into how much the individual can recover or how fast they recover. Because the individuals that went like this, they had so much training built. Their recovery time is actually less because they have the capacity built. Yeah. So for the individuals that don't, 
you know, it's, it's fucked, dude. Honestly, it's, it's yeah. a world of trouble afterwards. They have to go through hell and back. You know, they do like a dumbbell press and their elbow is like, Oh my God, it feels so, so bad. Yeah. And I can just say this cause I, Tanil went through it last year, right? She, we band-aid her through the last two days because honestly she, she got in, but I knew it. I knew it. I was like, this is going to be challenging. So that being said, um, you know, within the training practices and, and we may be able to talk about how um, tactical guys do the same thing is like build enough training to have the capacity to be able to go over there and then come back and be like, okay, I need some downtime, of course, breathing, blood flow, recover to let my mind come back, rhythm on point, et cetera. But then they can, they can transition better. So I see it as a, as a correlation. Yeah. And the, the point you brought up to, you keep saying resilience and we look at long-term and like we look at, you say like the last two days or that day of the competition, the games, you have guys looking like zombies. Yeah. Right. And what's funny is I can actually put that now to a deployment to Afghanistan. I just can't like in 2010, we were in Afghanistan, uh, first force, first, uh, first recon battalion. We're out in Sangin and Trek now. We were known as black diamonds. And I mean, this deployment dude was, it's funny. Let me just put it in perspective. The guy with one of my platoon commanders, literally, I was like, Hey, sir, it's like, we're in a gunfight. I'm hiding behind a berm. And like getting shot, I'm like, hey, sir, how was this? In, was this anything like Fallujah? He's like, this is nothing like Fallujah. I'm like, good or bad? And he was like, this is worse. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right, cool. All right. So like, all right. that's fine. Let's go ahead and prep ourselves for this, right? And uh, by the end of that seven-month deployment, right, if you looked at half of that company, we, they look like zombies. Mm. And now I think about it, I'm like, why did we look like that? Why were we not able to sustain it and, and whatever else? And it was those guys who were just always on. Yeah who didn't like, all right, cool, let me just step away. And a lot of the times it was our team leaders because yeah. our team leaders had to be on. I was a reconnaissance communicator, so I was the, the, the calm guy for the yeah. team or whatever else, and I went on patrols all the time. And luckily, like, I had to be on, but I, I understood fitness a little bit the time period, so I was able to sleep a little bit more. I was, I was eating more. Yeah. Um, not going to lie, I had dip in cigarettes in half the time because like – Oh, yeah, but that's accepted. But we can get into that and why sometimes that's – what needs to happen. What needs, exactly, right? But I was able to sleep properly. I was still able to do the things that I needed to, um, really focusing on all those things. And at that time period, I didn't know what I was doing, right? I was creating longevity. So now when I understand the science behind it and be able to plug the holes in and see the tactical athlete or even the CrossFit Games athlete, um, you know, it's one of those things where we need to create longevity for the athlete. And yeah. how do we do that? We need to increase work capacity across the whole time. And that doesn't mean you just hit them with high intensity workouts because a high intensity workout is the same thing as a gunfight. Yeah. You spike them into a fight or flight mentality, and then it takes them that much longer to recover from 48 hours to 72 hours, right? But if I dose them with four to five days aerobic work, maybe one or two days of high intensity work, that now actually brings them into understanding like, hey, I'm increasing work capacity. I'm now letting myself recover, but I'm also giving my system that stress that it, it craves. Yeah, for sure. You know, like our human, our human ancestors, you know, they used to, how many times did they hunt throughout the week? You know, one or two? And everything else was all very parasympathetic. You know, same thing with animals. How many times they hunt a week? Um, yeah. Yeah, so why don't we mimic that? Yeah, for sure. And it's, I mean, I, I can't comprehend this because I've never done it, to be honest. So you can provide some insight. I've never been in a firefight. Um, you know, I come from Stockton, California. I mean, there may have been a few firefights that have been around me, but I've never been yeah. in one. Like, yeah. um, but that being said, man, like if you think about the concept of a firefight, like the, the stress that's placed on the system, I, unless you've done it, you don't, you don't quite understand. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's in tactical athletes. I think that the, that stress, they know um, 
when, when they need to turn it on, it, it's, it's having enough built underneath that, which you said in aerobic training, a base of support for them to create that drive whenever they're called upon. Um, so I think it's a correct dose of intensity at the right times, especially when they're getting ready to do something, you know, away or wherever it may be that you give them a couple scenarios and, and intensity for a tactical athlete versus a CrossFitter is obviously very different, yeah. right? So you're okay. How do I give them the dose that's going to mimic what they're going into similar to how to give a CrossFit athlete, the dose that they're going to into a yeah. high intensity or CrossFit style workout, you know, Saturday night, you know, in the Coliseum, whatever that may be. So I, I think you always have to look about at the goal and look about what the intent is for the, the bout of intensity and then how much they need in terms of recovery to do that for 48 hours, then yeah. rest two nights and do that for another 24 hours, like whatever that looks like. So if you think about it in, in big picture, there's a lot of aligned principles that we can strip back and just say, here are the, the characters or the core characteristics that need to be in place for these individuals to succeed. And I think if you follow that line and that pathway, you can have success in either, either uh, idea. Either, exactly right. So it's funny as we talk about this. So um, I was able to coach Bear Republic's team and everyone heard about Bear Republic, whatever happened, you know, yeah. that doesn't take away from how hard they worked that weekend. No, they did great, man. No, you know, and, and what's funny is because a few of them were on Misfits programming and then I had my two girls or my individual athletes mm -hmm. from the start and I ended up coming in and coaching them. And the funny part was, it was like being able to see how we peak them or peak the athletes. I peaked my athletes for regionals. Yeah. And then when it was time to get ready for the games, I backed the volume down. Yeah, sure, man. Um, for a while, actually. And I was like, hey, I'm not going to dose you until, you know, a certain time period because I just need to build work capacity. You have to understand that the games is an endurance sport. Yep. And you have to, even if you're going as a team, it's still an endurance sport and you still have to be able to recover and still be able to still provide for your team. And that's how I look at it as for a tactical athlete now, right? So let's say I'm, I'm, the, I'm the point man on a seven-man team and he's going to be one with the ruck on his back walking pretty much the whole time having to look at his map or his GPS and doing everything else like that. He's just as vital to that team as just as the girls were on the team or you're on a team, right? And doing multiple patrols one after another. So you got to be able to build that capacity. I mean, and like you said, dose them right again for the longevity. So he is actually able to stay vigilant, stay aware and be able to perform his job. If it was something to hit the fan. Right. Um, and those are those kind of things. That, and I like how you said you made a great point of they both kind of correlate just kind of going in two different realms of the lifestyle. Yeah. yeah and remember too, that in, in what I talked about the individuals that look tired at the end of the games, it's just, it's, it's, pro, it's poor planning in my eyes. Like I, yeah, same individuals should be fresh enough. And you said it perfectly. Like volume goes down, intensity goes up. It's, I mean, this is no new news. Like strength no. conditioning and, and energy systems training has been done for a while. And, and obviously CrossFit brings a different element and as is the tactical athletes and the energy systems that are required for what they need to do within the sport. It's like, it's, it's a very evolving, you know, idea as we go, we're, we're learning more and more. It hasn't been done for a hundred years. It's been done for 15, you know, or whatever it may be. So um, I think we're learning a lot as we go in terms of the characteristics that need to be in place for a periodization scheme to, to look at it and say, okay, this really makes sense. And why, you know, you and I, so, full-heartedly believe in individual design and, and providing good prescriptions within that uh, is because everyone's different. So the yeah. dose response to a particular stimulus that they're given is going to be different per person. So if we can utilize that, take that, harness it and say, okay, you know, your individuals, maybe they are, are intensity responders, but I've got these guys in their volume responders. Yeah. yeah. Those characteristics on how we peak them is going to be relatively different. You know, I've got individuals, i.e. like Marcus Philly, 
for example, that actually do really well with training all the way up into the competition. Um, he just is primed. He's ready to go. Of course, we monitor everything that he's doing. But an individual like that that needs the confidence in, in what he's doing to be able to perform, well, he's, he's more of that type of responder. So identifying who the individual is and then taking that individual design and peaking them properly is very, very similar in how I would, how I would peak a, a tactical athlete to go into a, a combat battle. Yeah, exactly. And, and the funny part you said, because I do, I, when, when Brett brought me on, you know, you, you met Brett before and yeah. stuff like that. When he brought me on, um, I was doing another individual program and running, cross, owning a CrossFit gym and working part-time for them. I've been with Softleet since we started in 2015. Cool. Um, and it's been an amazing route to see grow. But, you know, when he pulled me on, he was like, look, you're not going to be doing as much individual programming. You're going to be doing a little bit more group programming. And I had to sit back for a while and think about, do I really want to go group programming? Do I really want to just stick to individual programming? Um, and I was like, you know what? I can make a bigger impact also on the group programming if I can solidify and talk more about how to take care of yourself outside of the gym yep. on a bigger base, right? So we talk about that. So anybody can follow a program. We've talked about this. Before. We, yep. we all know this. Anybody can follow a program. It's going to work for, I'm going to use 80% of the athletes following it, right? Yep. Just say the 80% to 90%. But what's going to make the difference of the athletes who actually get better results off of that is what they're doing outside of the gym. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I think there's a continuum too, as you said it, right. Is they can be good on a, any program for a while. Cause I think there's a lot of good programs out there that are written with good progressions and smart training principles, but eventually there comes a, a, an area on this curve. It's, it's linear for a while, but then it flattens out. Yeah. I do uh, agree with you that the lifestyle pieces outside of the gym, what you're doing within, you know, your nutrition practices, sleeping patterns, rhythm patterns, all those things, sunshine every day, sleeping in a dark room, like the simple things that we all we always harp on as coaches. If, if you're doing those things for sure, that that line can stay continuing to increase a little bit further. Um, but I really do see it over time in my head is to say, okay, if this individual is, we'll call it plateauing or that line is less linear, they need some sort of change in stimulus to ensure that they're going to progress in the right fashion. And that change in stimulus can mean lifestyle stimulus. It can be lots of different things sense. that can actually create change. Um, but that's just where my head goes because I think adaptation is something that you're trying to create, especially with an athlete or even with a tactical guy, is creating an adaptation to ensure they can become more resilient or they can handle what's next in, in terms of the training process. So um, that's where I see individual design as a, as a key piece. Um, and, and I think you said it perfectly. I think outside of that, um, you can do a lot of lifestyle pieces that can also uh, make uh, the proper changes to, to allow them to go to the next step. Yeah, you brought up a good point was talking about changing the stimulus or the dosing to the athlete. So uh, for the listeners, if they're, if they're just listening to this because Mike Lee's on, yeah. um, softly we do write two types of programming. We do have a strength program and we have a stamina program. Yeah. So the way we do this, the strength program is we focus on about 65 to 70% of strength and the other is the rest of, the, of that 100% is going to be focusing on injury system uh, progressions and protocols. But the main focus is strength work. And then the stamina program is going to be vice versa. We're looking at 65 to 70% of energy protocol, work capacity building, and then we maintain strength. And we actually really harp to the athletes who are on our programming to switch cycles back and forth mm -hmm. because of the fact now we can now continue creating a, um, a stimulus where they're never going to get stuck. And, and so far we've done a very good job of that. Like, especially cause our cycles are always changing. I mean, from our strength cycles, there's changing every 12 week programs. We have a 12 week program and then a week, uh, transition and then a 12 week program. Same thing with stamina and something that I'm trying to, I'm, I'm going to harp on or focus on work our next and experiment with is actually 
dosing the athlete with more aerobic work throughout the strength program that I'm going to be right here soon to teach, show them that, Hey, look, you can do aerobic work and still get stronger. Oh yeah. Well, it's been proven. Oh yeah. And time again, that regardless of the weightlifting circles that don't want to believe it. Um, although yeah, they're not, you know, uh, Olympic level weightlifters, but you know, we obviously have very competitive CrossFitters that are either winning American, uh, the American open or winning nationals, uh, are going to the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Or they still, if, if we, if we shifted and we put all of our CrossFitters, a bunch of them into the weightlifting realm, I think you'd see a serious shift. And they know that USA weightlifting. I mean, uh, they know that uh, CrossFit largely supports their uh, their growth. So um, I think that they would gladly accept some more athletes to come on over. But yeah. in the continuum of things, I think you know that I, I like that the change in stimulus for sure is just, it's just the only thing in my brain is like once you have to peak them or you you have different individuals in different time frames. I think it just gets challenging, and, yeah. and you have a resolution to that. Maybe they go on to an individual design that allows them to progress into their their deployment or whatever it is. Um, it's just, that's, that's always the challenge. It's like, uh, these, uh, templates that are designed for specific times of the year. So one will be designed to peak in the open and they're going to peak at the regionals. And then if you make it, you're going to the next one, which is the games, but throughout the entire year, it doesn't allow for this continuum to go up and down. Um, say they do a weekend throw down or whatever it is that's important to them. Um, which I think is the, uh, variation that, um, the ID design gives uh, to ensure that you peak properly, to ensure that you recover properly after those bouts to be able to do, you know, continued hits throughout the year. Yeah, that's huge. Like we also offer a individual based selection program that is, is written for guys who need to go to selection. Awesome. Um, you know, guys who are getting ready for deployments. We do offer help on that realm also too. So it's like one of those things like, Hey, we focus on group program but at the same time though. Like we are not going to sit here and write you individual specifically program, but we are going to help you with, altering and adjusting what's needed for you going into it, right? Same thing with the selection program. It's a 12 week program. And we always ask the question is like, Hey, what are some of your weaknesses? You know, how far out are you from selection? All right. Hey, make sure you're having at least 14 to 15 weeks on this, uh, before, uh, as you're starting, because you're going to have transitions for, um, leave. You're going to have to, you're probably going to miss a day or you're going to miss a week because of just different things come up. And those are the kind of things. But what I want to get into next though, is talking a little bit about sleep, nutrition, and the recovery route that you really harp on. Again, like I said, I've been, I've been harping this like crazy. I've just been harping the recovery aspect like crazy because of the fact that the tactical athlete or the athletes in general don't understand that recovery is actually 100% more important than the program you're on. Yeah, yeah, and, and you hit it on the head. But people, the, the funny thing is people don't want to do it because no. uh, it's, it's something that's more challenging to them because it takes accountability because they can't look at uh, the coach or the writer of the design and say, Oh, this, this isn't working for me. It's like, no, actually you didn't sleep enough. Um, so people have a hard time accepting that. And when they look at it in the face, um, it's behavior change is really what you're dealing with in the consistency of those lifestyle pieces of sleep, um, stress management, breathing, all those things. You have to get individuals bought into the behaviors of these things are going to set me up for my goal. If you can align those principles, then individuals start embracing those concepts. Um, so within sleep, it's like, okay, sleep in a dark room, completely black, you can't see lights at all. And then, you know, potentially leave that electronics completely out of the room and try not to look at a TV 45 minutes before bed. It's like something so simple like that 
helps dramatically in the context of being able to sleep through the night. And there's so much behind why we say dark room, black, you know, blackout curtains, et cetera, because there's lots of connection to sleep and hormone regulation and, you know, multiple other things. So it's deeper than just being like, you know, you need to sleep. Um, and I think that's where people is, are missing is there's a lot of good research and a lot of good books that show why people need to sleep from certain times throughout the day to ensure circadian rhythm stays in place. Because biology has said it for years, we need to sleep during these times to ensure that we're, we're going to live long and prosper. Um, and that goes to say, if, if it's not just to be healthy, we still have to look at it in the context of what it does for support for performance in whatever area that you're going into. So we, again, we go back to resilience. The more resilience you can build up, the more capacity you have to go do the tasks at hand and do the work. And we keep using this word resilience, even like we talk about sleep right now. We're talking about, you know, sleep realm and being able to sleep at the right time periods. When the sun goes down, you should be in bed already. When the sun comes up, you should be up already, right? Like that is just what our human ants, like our human, be- like the human being of us back yeah. in the day and ancestors have done. Um, but the thing that I, that's funny is what actually I feel like is weakening the human being is actually technology with being able to handle this stuff. We've become very dependent. I'm, I've read the book unplugged. Have you heard about it yet? Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. I've, you know, I got the pot, I did pod, I did the podcast with Dr. Andy Galpin and Brian McKenzie also so far. So it's been a great book. Um, but it brings me to like this understanding is like, I actually have now started sleeping with my door open. So when the sun goes down, the door's open. Yeah. Um, so I wake up no longer to an alarm. Cool. I wake up to the sunlight beaking in right um and being and being very disciplined and accountable for that and and a lot of people don't understand is like being able to research and and experiment this stuff for yourself is is what's going to help you create a purpose and be accountable for it right so if you kind of start understanding the reasoning behind it you're going to be able to do it. And a lot of people like well you don't need to be telling everyone the reasoning behind it. You're right. I don't need to tell them this the six feet deep reasoning behind it. But if I can give them the one to two feet reasoning behind it, that's going to be key. Um, This leads me to the next thing what are some of the things you do to help have your athletes sleep better? Like for instance, I know I do cold showers outside. I do cold showers here. Um, I breathe if I have the time. Um, I avoid TV. I, I try and read before bed. Um, all those kind of things. Kind of what are, what are your thoughts behind the cold, uh, cold showers and yeah, contrast stuff? Yeah. The contrast stuff and cold showers are great uh, for the immune system amongst other things uh, for the nervous system. The big thing is with cold showers later, they have to be able to calm down the nervous system after they do it. Um, but in, in, you know, Wim Hof, there's a lot of great yeah. stuff within that whole idea of cold showers and, and uh, the principles behind it do to a lot of success. So you can't say that it's not working for a ton of people. Um, so that being said, I think the, the major pieces that are free, people always ask, well, okay, that costs money, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, here are the major pieces that are free. You can not bring your phone into your bedroom. You can leave it outside plugged in and turn it on airplane mode. How about that? Um, and people are like, wait, I can't check Instagram or Facebook prior to bed. I'm like, no, give up on Instagram and Facebook for 45 minutes. It'll be okay. It'll be there in the morning. Uh, so I think that's one thing that's, that's, that can help people tremendously. I also recommend some things. Um, they're, they're called blue blockers. They're, they're funny glasses. Um, and you can rent, you can buy them off Amazon for $5, right? Sweet. free, but okay. $5. You put them on and it, and it turns blue light into red light, right? Which is a, a light that doesn't affect your stress hormones in the system. So that being said, if you do have to do something on the computer late or you are watching a show late with your significant other, um, you can put those on and it drastically reduces uh, the effect that, that the light 
uh, goes into uh, the, the eye. Uh, so okay. that's one thing. It's super simple and easy. The other thing is simple ideas of meditation. You said it. And I, the, the thing that I like to harp on within meditation is meditation doesn't have to be the same per person. It can be anything. Yeah. I, I use headspace because it helps me relax. I enjoy the deep breathing aspect. It puts me in a parasympathetic state and I can literally fall asleep before the end of it. Um, other people, you know, it's different ideas. They stretch before bed or, or do something wrong. While there's a lot of ideas out there that can help people get into that parasympathetic state. Um, but people need to re recognize that it's not the same for everyone. So just find something that works for you that allows that brain, that body to calm down before bed. Um, and then the last thing is journaling. I think uh, it's an undervalued uh, component of uh, what people can do every day. They can write down their three things that um, they have gratitude towards or they uh, feel like they accomplished or they feel like uh, that that is on their mind that they need to work on the following day. Just a really great practice and consistency. So there's some simple things like that that can drastically help people sleep. On um, the more and more you get into this routine and rhythm, the better your sleep is. Yeah, definitely cool, man. I, I like the blue light or the blue glasses. I actually have an athlete who does wear it. Whenever I go and visit him, he wears them. So I knew about that. Um, and then Headspace, I did, I did, you know, learn about that. I kind of avoid using like the the, the Headspace because I became very dependent on it. Yeah. Um, and I, very, and like, so like understanding, like we're gonna talk about the functional bodybuilding too, but, um, talking a little bit about the headspace, I became a dependent on it just as I became dependent on HRV uh, tracking. Right. And it, it led me into two things, it led me into under fitness because I was listening to it all the time and I wasn't adjusting to what I should be doing or going and still moving. And then, um, if I didn't get service certain places to go to sleep, it freaked me out. So I decided like, you know what? All right, let's go ahead and just learn a new breathing, your own meditation on your own, do whatever you need to do. Um, and like I said, reading for me is a meditation type thing or going for a walk with my dog, you know, in this, and, you know, leave my phone here and just going for a walk at nighttime and just enjoying and soaking it all up is kind of that. Uh, but the next thing I want to talk about though, dude, is nutrition. So yeah. your nutrition uh, approach and, and how you look at the athlete and, you know, something I want to talk about, something I really started doing now because of Dennis actually, you know, working with Dennis, I've known Dennis for, uh, since I was 13 years old. Cool. I'm 29 years old now and I've known him. He actually trained me all through my club soccer years as a goalkeeper. He was my athletic trainer in high school. He helped train me, get me ready for football. So, and, and, and I already did a podcast with Dennis also, if y'all listen to it, you'll hear, but he, you know, he's doing my, we're doing my nutrition stuff right now and I'm actually cutting down, getting ready for a triathlon. I lost, I, I was at 217. Now I'm down at 202 right now. Yeah. Um, but one thing that he, that really stuck out to me was protein before caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. I and I, I beat that up into him. <laughs> yeah, well, and because like, and I, and I agree that. And what's funny is like when he told me that, I started thinking about it because I used to wake up in the morning, and coffee was the first thing I put in. Yeah, it's like that. You're not the only one, man. It's right. very, very popular. And I realized that. Um, so when I was focusing on HRV, I was focusing on headspace. When I wasn't breathing, it was all during regionals and during the open. And I was literally sick. Out of the ten weeks of that whole time period, I was sick probably seven times. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And I think sometimes, man, um, especially with HRV, and I have a whoop band um, that I'm using that, that also does that. It gives me a strain and um, stress on the system. It gives me recovery protocols. also gives me sleep. And I did find myself attached to it. And almost with my athletes, I actually have to remind them that, like, I, I just want to see that. I don't want them necessarily to know so much into it um, because they start attaching so much to it. Like, oh my gosh, my strain was this high. And to be honest, they're, they're still working through a lot with Whoop. It's a fairly, fairly new device. Yeah. They still have some things that need to improve on it to, when they're measuring strain, they're measuring the stress in the system. So 
That being said, you never want too much attachment because you kind of go down this down spiral thing and all you're attached to is if, if that device is saying if I'm, I'm ready to go. And we know within the context of the sport of fitness, stress has to be applied to create adaptations. Yep. So if we're constantly in this state of like worrying about if it's going to be okay or if it's not, you're actually taking away from the resilience of their capacity in workouts to, to create stress and to allow adaptations to the system. So I would agree with you that you have to kind of go in and out with all these different things or find that something that works for you as an individual that calms down your brain, calms down your body. You said walk, which I love is a fantastic idea. You move a little bit of blood. You allow digestion to happen if you ate, you know, some time ago. Um, and then the other thing is just like listen to the wind or listen to the creek or listen to the water. I think that's really important is to be present in that, in that state. And if you can be present, I think that type of meditation is absolutely magical. Yeah. And that's, that's, an, that leads me to, you know, you made a good point of like being able to listen, right? Like when you talked about earlier, like, Oh, I can't turn my phone off. I can't check Instagram. Like that's just a dopamine effect. That's all that's happening. It's like, I just want to pick it up and look at it. Right. Like that's all I want to do. Well, there's no other, there's no better feeling than getting a dopamine effect than walking outside at nighttime, looking at the stars and just hearing like nature, like there's no better feeling. And I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I wasn't like this four months ago. <laughs> all right. you, know, you know, no, it wasn't, you know, and like I started doing that more and I've become so much more mindful and more present of what's going on. I barely watch TV now. I even, I work from home and I have another spot, but like I now just listen to music, meditation music, or just not even nothing, just do work. And, you know, going back to the nutrition aspect of it all and like being able to understand like, Hey, like, all right, let me be mindful on how I'm like chewing my food. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. all right, cool. Well, do I want to put in protein first before caffeine? All right, cool. Why is this? Why are these reasonings behind it for, right? Why are we doing this? And you know, I, when I started looking into more of the nutrition aspect, like I said, I've been doing it for a while, but looking into the nutrition, especially when I got told protein before caffeine, you know, it was talking about like, it leads to adrenal fatigue faster. Yep. Um, and I was like, that made complete sense why I was in such a low and such a very horrible place at that time period and being able to go with that. And I want to kind of get your take and your ideas behind on, on, you know, the nutrition caffeine aspect of it all. Yeah, for sure. I'll start with uh, some of the basic things we call them at OPEX our BLGs and, and some of those within there, we'll call them a basic lifestyle guidelines and some thing, simple things within digestion. People forget that, you know, let's call it 75 to maybe 80, 85% of your immune system lies within your GI system. Um, so your gut needs to be healthy. So if we can do everything possible to keep that guy healthy, lots of other stuff that's going on uh, throughout the, the, the body improves. Um, so it's, the, it's the, the number one piece because we can control how many times you chew. There's a lot of different philosophies out there. We say 25 chews. Some other Paul Check says 50 chews. Like it, there's, the, the key is, though, that people now are just being mindful. Because if I tell someone to chew 25 times, all of a sudden, they're just paying attention to how many times they're actually chewing. Whether they get to 25 or not, I don't know. But at least now they're more mindful of the aspect that digestion is important and I'm actually gonna to chew this food up really well so that when it goes in the system, I can utilize it effectively where it needs to be utilized and the GI system doesn't have to work so hard. Because you gotta remember, that guy has to work really hard and people just think, oh yeah, you know, I had diarrhea or I had the shits today. It's just, it was just because of that, you know, whatever I ate. 
that consistently is, is something that I'll harp on forever that is, is not healthy. Um, no. You should have consistency in digestion. You should feel good. Um, your stool should look a certain way. No one wants to talk about it, but it's super important in the context of nutrition when we go, when we go back and touch in on that. So the first thing that we always harp on is how people are eating and how, um, how their brain is connecting to the food. So you said being mindful, putting down your fork, chewing your food, smelling your food prior to all those things lead to better digestion. You're satiated, you're more full faster, so you don't need to take in this massive amount of calories. We get in this world of macronutrients, like everyone's like, oh, I want my perfect macros. But if you're, if you're taking in, let's just say, you know, 400 grams of carbohydrates per day, but your system is only utilizing 200 because you can't digest well, well then you're gonna have, you're gonna feel less, less nutrient rich um, just because you can't digest well. So that being said, that is, that is a, a very important characteristic. So digestion, chewing, um, the simple things that you can do every day in your day to process of eating um, would be my number one. Number two, or I guess number one and one A, uh, would be quality. I think people need to spend more time with quality foods. Okay. Uh, if you can eat quality foods, um, then I think that uh, the nutrients that you get from those foods is obviously more dense um, and utilize that more effectively for whatever you're doing in, in your daily activity. That's huge, dude. Like, it's funny you talk about chewing, right? Because when we joined the Marine, or when we joined the Marine Corps, when we joined the military, the first thing that they make you do when you get them to sit down and eat chow is you literally have five minutes from the first guy that sits down to the last guy. And you're like, Oh boy. And you're just boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden it becomes a, a habit that you can no longer get rid of. Yeah. No longer get rid of. And that's funny. We talk about that, right? So like people listening, if you're a tactical athlete who just got out of boot camp, slow down your eating, yeah. enjoy it. That was just for a certain reason, but now start chewing your food. Um, and let them really enjoying the food that you're eating, you know? Um, and that's something that, I, I didn't do for a while, dude. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I didn't do that for a while. I was like, eh, let me just, or go on a date with somebody or go with your family somewhere. And you're like, the first one done, everyone's like, what the hell? And it's like, oh, yeah. And a lot of people think it's a cool thing to do. And, and it's realistically, it's not, right? So that's a huge thing right there, right? So chew your food and be present and digest and smell the food and enjoy it. The next thing I want to talk about, though, dude, is a lot of times what happens is, pre-workout nutrition and post-workout nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I'm kind of messing around with, um, with adding in a little bit more higher fats pre-workout because I'm doing so much more aerobic work. So I want to kind of utilize the, the fats for that. Um, you know, just a couple of books I've read in the past from, you know, paleo endurance athletes where they increase their fats for aerobic capacity work, but they're still in, in, uh, in taking the proper amount of carbohydrates to sustain for strength work or whatever else. Um, what is your take on that? behind all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, yeah. Mark Sisson has some great stuff on, on all that uh, in terms of the capacity to use bats for aerobic training. Um, but, um, it's, it's fairly new in its evolution, I would say. Um, but first and foremost, you, you, you said it in the context for yourself, but it's, it's, it always varies per person. So whatever the goal is, is actually what their pre-workout yeah, workout nutrition should look like. So that's why you always have to ask if it's a CrossFit Games athlete, this is how it's going to look like. You know, if it's a person that, that wants to do bodybuilding aesthetics, this is what it looks like. Tactical athlete, this is what it looks like because they always have uh, different substrate requirements that need, they need to either prepare them for the task at hand or what the training is, and then to recover after. So I think spec specifying what the goal is drastically helps. Um, 
you know, with we'll say muscle endurance activity, as an example, we recommend, you know, a, 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 a light protein carbohydrate combo about 60 to 90 minutes prior to the activity, because it helps with sustaining muscle endurance longer. We do that with a lot of our fitness athletes. Um, lots of times for individuals that go into fasted training in the morning, we recommend, you know, something simple like just BCAAs and um, a banana or something simple that's just really easily broken down and that individual can get right into the training, whatever it may be um, and have have some fuel to be able to sustain uh, for the entire session so I think it's it's very very up and down I know I'm not really clearly answering no that. no no I think that you have to look at the application of the goal to understand pre and post workout nutrition and then also what's in the actual uh, dose response to the training or the testing or whatever they're going through to then just prescribe the post workout because Lots of people, there's a carb craze and there's the, the paleo craze. There's so many different ideas out there, um, but you can't say one size fits all, especially when the tasks vary per person. Cool. Yeah. Now, I, you made a good point. Like it's individual based. And, it, and again, every single person is completely different. Like you're different from my, from what I, like how my body reacts to things. So it, we're coming out with a nutrition program for softly. It's going to be, going to be a drop here in the next couple of weeks on the app. So now athletes now can go on and pretty much type in their body weight, body fat, uh, height, what their activity level is going to be. And they can pick what program they're going to be on. And then they'll go ahead and ask if they want to lean, maintain, and then, uh, they just want to have just performance. Yeah. And the goal with that is to pretty much start getting these guys to understand how to eat properly. And our, our dietitian that we brought in is actually pushing quality of food. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, always, right. If, again, quality, chew your food, digest well, there's going to be so much benefits from that. Then people, as they evolve and we get to more specific tasks, we can get into specifics and macronutrients. Cause I think there is a lot to people that are accountable enough to track their food and be aware of it. Yes. Being aware of it creates accountability because you look at it and say, Oh man, I eat this, this, and this. I know how I felt after that. Okay. I need to change that. So I think once you get to that point, I think it's, it's a great idea, but upfront, if they don't have the right quality, then quantity makes, makes less, it's, it's less important to be honest. And if they can't digest, they can't chew. They aren't willing to uh, embrace the processes to actually absorb the nutrients that they're putting in. Then, you know, regardless of if I prescribe it, you prescribe it, anyone prescribes it, uh, they're going to, they're going to see less benefits. So, um, we're real big on taking in the gut, in the gut through the bacteria, the, the, the right bacteria um, for, for maximum absorption. Um, and then just making sure that it's the, the maintenance of the stomach and, and the digestion aspect is always looked at as a, as a major piece to ensure whatever the goal is or, or whatever they're priming to say is uh, consistent and positive in nature. Cause if you take care of that guy, I'm you know going to say it again, but um, a lot of things downstream of that stress on the system, adrenals, all those uh, those pieces come together um, and uh, the, the system can, can regulate much better. And just real quick on the coffee aspect, just because I, it's off the top of my head and I forgot to mention it, um, we recommend protein before coffee, whether that's some sort of branch chains, just some sort of protein prior to that um, implementation because um, coffee is relatively tough on the gut. In, in layman's terms, it's, it is. Um, and also, there's a very big spike uh, in connection with caffeine to the adrenals and cortisol when you, when you intake it. So it's an immediate spike. And that's why people have to keep pumping in coffee throughout the entire day. And then what do they do? Well, they eat this huge breakfast with pancakes and blah, 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 whatever else. And all of a sudden, now insulin comes into play. So insulin's going up and down, and you have this just 
the shitstorm, to be honest, with uh, things going up and down. You're trying to regulate this. Um, so that's why we recommend protein before coffee. That's why we recommend a lot of times for individuals that maybe aren't high-level performers that just want consistency in food to do like the Charles Poliquin idea of meat and nuts diet. Um, it's brilliant, but people, again, don't want to do it, right? Yeah. They want their sugar. Um, they want they they fiend for it. So it's it's always it's based on the person and how much they're able, they're able to commit to the process of the plan that you want them to have. Yeah, and and for everyone listening, especially if you're a tactical athlete, like the goal the goal here is to, to get if you're back in the states and you're able and even on deployments you're able to eat pretty good quality food because of the chow hall. But even back here in the states, quality is going to be key. Um, but another big thing I really believe in is calorie balance. Yep, and calorie intake. And understanding like, hey, the calorie intake that you put into your system is also going to help with optimization of what you and how you perform. Yep. Um, especially because, you know, on deployments, when you're patrolling, whatever else, you don't have quality of food. No, no. You have MREs or whatever else. And I'm not saying sit there and count your macros, but understand that you need to be putting in calories to sustain the longevity and be resilient to what the environment is bringing towards you. Um, I know on our deployment in 2010, and, and a, we started eating off the land a little bit. Yeah, for sure, man. We like we were getting tired of eating MREs, so we had like special fortune Afghan guys with us, and they started like feeding us chickens. And you know, and it was crazy that like again, like I said, going into the past and looking where I'm at today, it's like I think about it, I say, like, man, I felt so much better. I was able to digest my food better. I didn't. I was able to take a poop right away, like within you know six hours or less than that, and like I wasn't. 24 hours later, you know, I didn't have to pound coffee just to go take a crap. And, um, it was just funny is like how that works out. So I really agree. And, and thanks dude for that, that in depth of the quality and the chewing yeah. and everything else. And like just that. Real quick on that. And, and the guys that I work with and uh, Michael Ben, who's coaches, what, what we always have conversations on is, is how we can set those individuals up here to have strong guts, to have, yes. uh, you know, good fiber in their diet, have a clean digestive system. So then when they go to that, where they can't control much, they have that built up. They got, we'll call it the steel gut, just built up to make them have the capacity to be able to absorb foods. And lots of times, I think digestive enzymes, amongst other things, that I would absolutely recommend. Oh, oh, you know, if they're going overseas or wherever they're going, if it's not in the comfort of of the United States and, and consistency pieces that they're used to, it like I, I absolutely would recommend those things just so that they can digest, they can stay. Um, they can stay fueled, like you said, and having calorie balance, and they can still utilize some of those nutrients uh, well to stay, you know, alive essentially. So that that's actually that's that open minded because I want to know is like, what do you actually push these guys to help with having a better gut? Because of the fact, right, we need to build our stomach to be this this still stomach and build resilience. So does do you make these guys go and eat like a large pizza once in a while and and yeah, you know or just randomly out of nowhere? Yeah, they got to learn to do that. So every once in a while, you can introduce those things. I, I travel a lot. I go all over the place. Yeah. Even I find myself doing that as a uh, resiliency component to build that up and just know that if I have gluten or I have dairy, like, okay, my stomach can handle it. Um, I, I just, I do what I need to do to ensure that I can the next day be back into my routine and consistency. So I think that's a good idea. I think you have to just test it every once in a while. And for those guys and tactical athletes, especially like that's okay. You are very consistent. It's okay to test it out, right? Test out how strong it has built and how strong it is currently. Um, of course you want to stay in that realm because you want to again, build up enough um, of strength, you know, through great probiotics, uh, a, a good glutamine every morning, like stuff that can 
that can build the muscle of the stomach um, and make it make it a good homeostasis to digest foods. If you can do that introduction of those things every once in a while, and as you build towards the deployment, I think you create this fine balance of you got a healthy enough stomach, but it's also not going to be alerted or go through this huge stress or this huge change once you have to do or introduce MREs in that setting. Awesome. So we're talking about free things. We're talking about breathing, nutrition, sleep, yeah. and recovery. Um, but now if we wanted to go ahead and pass supplements off to a tactical athlete and athlete in general, what are some of the basic supplements that you look to push, not just for digestion, but for longevity and build that resilience, right? Because we keep using that resilience. So what are some of the stacks or supplements you like to use to help build resilience? Yeah, yeah for sure. I think one thing that people can do right out of bed, and I mentioned this a lot, but do uh, um, a half of a lemon, uh, some Himalayan sea salt and a uh, 16 ounce of um, moderately cold water uh, okay. right out of bed. Uh, it sets up multiple things throughout the day that can be very, very efficient. Um, and that's a, again, it's a, a relatively cheap, great, great idea to set up uh, the GI, to set up cortisol, to set up multiple, it's a multifactorial beneficial uh, supplement that that's an individual can drink every single morning. I think that's a key one. Probiotics is also another key. I think that uh, sets up the gut. It keeps it healthy. There's, there's a lot of lots of good research out there in terms of, you know, what probiotics individuals should take when they, you know, leave, when they come back, there's, there's a lot of good stuff within that. Um, B complex, I think is always something that can uh, support the adrenals and is beneficial for multi for energy and along with other organs, a multivitamin or some, some sort of green drink is always beneficial. I mean, that's something that people uh, still um, in an overall big picture don't get enough of um, to, Oh yeah, my vegetables, but, a lot of times it's insufficient based upon the tasks or, the, or what they're doing at hand. Um, and then minerals. I think uh, just trace minerals, a droplet uh, in water every single day. Um, it allows absorption of a lot of great nutrients. It also allows uh, absorption of water. Um, so I think if you have balance within um, your mineral intake, um, a lot of other things downstream go well. So that, that's a very big baseline of support. Um, beyond that, Glutamine is something that I recommend to a lot of people because it strengthens the muscle as well as the GI system. It's great for uh, consistency of that. So, you know, those would be my, my stat for individuals. It's very baseline, but people need to recognize and remember that supplementation is a Band-Aid approach. And I know that's been said over and over again, but if we can do some things within nutrition practices, sleeping patterns, all those things like sleep in a dark room, helps hormone regulation, all those things now lead into us just needing some baseline supplementation ideas uh, to, to help us sustain in whatever we're doing. Um, as soon as you talk about performance or as soon as you talk about going overseas and fighting to kill people, I, I, for sure, some other things come into to, to, to conversation. But, um, you know, we, we personally at OPEX work with a great group of doctors that are way smarter about all that than I am. And I think that's where it gets gray. I think too many people rely on us to provide all these supplements and they should be going to see something that actually can look at their blood work and give specifics on these are the things that are going to help you stay alive when you're over there or these are the things that are going to maximize your performance. Um, so I think that's kind of the gray line that we always have to like, be careful of as coaches. Yeah, definitely. That's something like, you know, I, I try and avoid not pushing that at all. And I'm exactly where you're going with this PEDs. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, those realistically though, dude is like these guys overseas. And like I said, I, it was crazy. It's like, it would have been nice to be able to have some kind of help recovery. You're fighting for your country. Why not? Yeah. Right? Like, it's not like you're competing against anybody else. We're, we're the highest fighting company, uh, the finest fighting force to go out there and, and keep everyone else healthy back here and alive and they're like good stuff. But yeah, that's a whole nother story and another topic we can talk about. Yeah. The next well, real quick on that, I would love, like it would make me so happy if 
you know, every, you know, deployment and soldiers, I know this costs just a shit ton of money. So, you know, they got like a, a, a supplement regime or not even a supplement, a recovery regime. Yeah, of course. Came with them as they deployed. And I was like, here's what you need to do to ensure that every day you get up and you're prepared best to be go, go do whatever you need to do every day and fight for the country. That would, you know, make my day, but I, I get how expensive that is. Well, the thing is those, and that's one thing that I'm really trying to push here with softly is like give these guys a certain kind of routine to where it's, where they're able to create this routine and carry it over to deployment. Um, especially right now, like I have an athlete who is actually works for an agency company is on deployment right now and he's training for an ultra marathon. Um, and you know, we're doing strength training work, but all that stuff. And you know, he's like, dude, I'm so stressed. I was like, well, what are you doing for recovery? He's like, well, I'm sleeping properly. I'm like, all right, cool. I was like, are you doing any kind of like breath work and how are you eating? You know? And he's like, dude, I forgot about that stuff. And when we first started, we did our first consultation together. We literally sat there and talked and he used to talk to me about how he's been doing ice baths. He's been doing breathing work. He's been doing all these crazy things to help keep him in a very low stress state. But when he went overseas, he didn't, he, he didn't have the cold shower stuff, but he yeah. forgot about the breath and yeah. he forgot about his sleep. Um, and I was like, dude, you got to become more, you know, got to become like more mindful of it and being able to handle doing these things. I guarantee it's going to help you out. I was like, I'm not giving you a lot of work. I mean, I understand what you're doing here. It's like, you know, we're, we're in the ninth week right now. So his, his volume of running is a little bit higher right now. We're getting ready to start tapering it off. But overall he's, he's doing, he's doing really well, you know? And I was like, yeah, dude, we got to kind of create that. So I think making a list and you kind of just, I'm probably might write an ebook now for, for the software now and be like, Hey, you guys, here's some key points that you can probably take with you overseas. You can do every morning when you wake up. So yeah. I'm going to make sure to give you credit on that, Mike. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I think that's awesome. And that's, uh, it's admirable on your end. If you can get that to be massively uh, helpful to those guys. I mean, I, I do what I can at any time. You know, we just had, just to speaking about it, I had a bunch of our um, our uh, guys that, that uh, fight for our country um, here this last week just to assess them. They're doing some jumping that's close by. And, um, and you know, it's just, you know, I, I jump out of my seat to go out there and help them, you know, whatever they want, um, just because I understand what they go through to ensure that we all stay safe here. So, you know, whatever I can do as or we can do as coaches now to have influence or impact on what they're doing in the bigger bigger uh, ideas of, of outside our little fitness bubble, um, which are much greater for the impact of, you know, my life, your life, the future of our kids' lives, all those things. Um, so that being said, you know, I, I hope that, you know, people hear this and are like, oh, wow, I'm going to write those things down or I'm going to buy the ebook or, or get the ebook yeah. from George and say, I'm going to take this with me and use it. Yeah, dude, no, appreciate that. Um, so the next big thing we're going to talk about, because you've been, you've been the guy to go to, everyone's been talking about it, is functional bodybuilding right functional yeah. bodybuilding and it's funny is because the military the military has been doing functional bodybuilding for i don't know how long it was either yeah. you're a bodybuilder a power lifter or you're an endurance athlete yep we never yeah. blended it all together right but we look at it now and i look at my my bodybuilder and i'm like i see him in a full kit getting ready to jump out of an airplane it's like bro you weigh 250 pounds right now or getting ready to go on deployment he has a full rucking kit on he's like bro you weigh 250 pounds right now. there's no way that i'm gonna carry your fucking fat ass yeah, right. Out of a fucking gunfight. Like, I love you to death, bro, but you need to drop some weight. Right. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about, like, the proper dosing of bodybuilding. I'm not even say functional, right? Because it's bodybuilding. Like, we utilize it to strengthen joints. We utilize it to strengthen connect, uh, connective tissue. We utilize it to help recover because I – this is what, kind of what I've read and, and what I've really noticed on myself and my athletes is I utilize bodybuilding for – 
uh, for recovery because it's so low stress on the CNS. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why functional, well, first off, I mean, I mentioned this in the My Muscle Project, but like Marcus, I mean, Marcus is like a Greek god. So anything that Marcus does. Have like, <laughs> you haven't seen Marcus, go and look at him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you guys know him, go follow him on Instagram and just, yeah, be astonished at Greek god of Marcus Philly. Uh, I love Marcus. Marcus is a great friend, obviously a client of a very long time. Um, and, and credit to him. Um, he's done a really good job to show people that they can use this different system to blend a lot of different ideas together to create function of whatever they're doing. Um, the original concept of what I created functional bodybuilding for was because he was in a state where he couldn't do much. So we created this idea of how we could blend it all together to get him back to where he wanted to go, which was doing more dynamic or functional fitness-based movements. Um, so that was the whole idea in my brain behind functional bodybuilding. But as I looked at it, look at the principles and you said it perfectly. It's like, I didn't create anything new. Like there's a lot of great strength coaches and a lot of individuals that have been doing bodybuilding as a precursor to different sports for a very long time. A lot of great strength coaches out there. Um, so it's just never been really used for the sport of CrossFit and the sport of fitness, because that's kind of like a hush hush thing. It's like, eh, no, no, they just need to do more CrossFit. And it's like, actually they don't, they need to do bodybuilding in the off season to allow CNS to recover for them to come back and be able to do intensity when it's needed. So people forget that the, the, the prescription was to allow his brain to calm down and not challenge him so much to where he had to like, really work to get into positions or he had to do something that caused pain um, because that just drops the nervous system. And the more and more the nervous system drops in the off season, the less productive the rest of the plan is going to be. So that was the idea behind it. And I would hundred percent agree. It's been done for a really long time. All I've done now is blended it and made it, um, made it into a system that can take someone's off season, build the right amount of training volume in muscle endurance in lower demanding nervous system states to set them up for whatever that activity is that they're doing moving forward. And that can be lots. Now we're looking at it as a support for functional fitness, maybe for tactical guys, because again, it's just, it's a lot of uh, unilateral work. It's a lot of good concepts that have already been done, but I just took all their great ideas and said, okay, I'm, I'm making my own system. And obviously like when we look at, you know, the hypertrophy of it all, right? Because like I said, I mean, when you're doing these, this, this functional bodybuilding program, you're not just giving Marcus Philly 10, 15, 20, 18 reps, right? Like you're keeping it a little lower than that. Like, you know, me and Dennis talk all the time. Like I said, we're really close. And we talked about like bodybuilding because like how we program for software. We do put some bodybuilding programming in there. And we have a lot of people come up to us like, oh, you're so, you're, you're, your tactical athlete programming doesn't have like bicep curls and all this stuff in there like every day. And we're like, what program writes that for a tactical athlete? Like there's, I'm not going to say the name, but there's a program out there that we saw that you literally had one day of just of biceps, one day of triceps. And, and he was marketing it as a tactical athlete program. And you're like, bro, what are you doing? Like you're, you're, you're hurting the athletes in general. Like you're not doing anything, but a tactical athlete doesn't even look good naked. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. You said you just hit it on the head. It's always relative to the function of the individual. So if we look at functional bodybuilding or bodybuilding, it always has to go and connect to a reason why they're doing it as an end goal. So if they're a tactical athlete and they need to improve tendon strength amongst other things, like, okay, there's some ideas in bodybuilding that might help. Um, but would agree if it makes them less good at killing people or, or defending their country, why in the 
fuck would you do it? Yeah. It makes no sense, right? It makes no sense. So it's always relative to the individual's function. And that's why functional bodybuilding got so popular with CrossFit because now it sets up people to do what their function is, which is compete in the sport and feel strong and healthy again after a brutal, you know, season, whatever they embarked on. And that's why it's got a lot of steam because people are realizing and recognizing how great they feel from it. Um, and if you can recover better and you can, you can feel good, um, I, th I think that's truly uh, something magical. And, and that's what Marcus just showed is like, okay, as you transition in the off season, you can do this. And now I'm getting back into this stuff and I feel better. I, I'm able to grow. Um, and, and that's, that's great. He's done a great job of, of being a, a big advocate of what, uh, we're trying to build. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see the evolution of it and so many people interested in it. You know, and the one thing that I take from Brian McKenzie said the best, he's like, there's everything behind us in hindsight. He's like, all we're doing is grabbing it again and just putting it into our wheel to bring it back as it's evolved to right. the newer things that we have literally like grown to know right so for instance like i don't only just use bodybuilding like functional bodybuilding for just recovery stuff i actually build it to help build local muscle endurance yeah for sure man That's like great. you know if i have an athlete who has really shitty handstand push-ups or has really shitty chest bar pull-ups or shitty muscle ups i will it's all right cool well, what is it's no longer the mac the macro movements the micro movement of it all right so i look at him like all right cool if she's having problems with muscle ups well, what is her weighted pull up like, or what is her lat pull down? Like, let's, okay, let's throw some lat pull downs. Let's go ahead and do some, you know, false grip ring pull ups with some yeah. holds. Oh, Hey, your handstand push ups suck. Let's go ahead and strengthen your lats to strengthen your triceps to strengthen your, your shoulders and all that good stuff. And I know you hit on this on the mind muscle project. I'm not going to have you go over it again. If those guys yeah. want to listen to what he's talking about there, <laughs> go over there and listen to it. Cause like I said, I, I love those guys. Those guys do, do a really good job of putting out content for the CrossFit community in general. Um, but yeah, so Going with that realm, you know, I, I want to hear other examples that you've utilized the functional bodybuilding, not just for your athletes, but like how you really look at it in depth and not just for the recovery aspect. Yeah, that's great. And first you have to understand like what we're talking about in local, local, local muscle endurance, what the rep range is for that, uh, what uh, hypertrophy is, what functional hypertrophy is, what uh, non-functional, right? Like th there's all those ideas, which again, uh, if you want to look at a book, go to super training. There's lots of good people that are way smarter than you and I, and the concepts of those training principles that have, you know, hammered that it's like, that's, that's in stone that this, this, this system or this idea of reps, you know, makes a lot of sense for a, a large portion of population of people. So within that, I look at it and sometimes people forget that it's great that people want to do the sexiness of functional bodybuilding, but sometimes they haven't earned it yet. Okay, so to do localized muscle endurance training in the handstand push-up and a bunch of, uh, you know, alternating presses with static holds and all this, you know, cool sled drag face pulls, all these ideas and concepts, we forget that you, and you mentioned this, it's like, okay, they, we have to look at some basic, basic things for them to actually move into muscle endurance work and have it be very beneficial. Because um, we like to say within OPEX as a precursor to them doing maximal absolute strength and lots of different you know, areas, bench press, squat, all those things, we actually give muscle endurance training prior to that so they can create the right contraction type when they do absolute strength training, right? You have to be able to drive the nervous system and the brain to create adaptations based upon the stress that's applied. So if we get into the, the concepts behind it, a lot of times people are seeing success with it because they're doing a lot of base of support muscle endurance work and then moving into snatch and clean and jerk progressions and seeing great benefits. It's just because they've done now enough repetitions in muscle endurance 
movements to allow them to get into absolute strength training and actually create the right stimulus uh, from, from the stress that's applied in heavier, lower repetition um, uh, rep schemes. So that being said, you got to know that people have to earn it. People have to have the, the right, uh, the right um, mechanics. They have to be set up to be efficient because a lot of times what we try to do is we try to like, you know, that's why functional bodybuilding has some steam because a lot of it is very, very low demanding nervous system based movements. So single arm, unilateral arc, all those things now allow the individual to see a lot of progress within strength training without challenging their nervous system too much. Now, if you're in the sport of CrossFit and you want to get into snatch and clean and jerk, you have to be able to squat great. You have to have great overhead mobility. All those characteristics come into play. So if you haven't done like the right movement, yeah. Component. So movement quality, movement variability is pretty much what you're talking about, right? So Absolutely. the listeners understand. And and for all the listeners that do follow us on Softlead and the things, I do talk about this. My number one uh, tier is actually movement quality. Cool. Movement quality, skill, technique, energy production, autonomic uh, functions, autonomic uh, nervous system, sorry. Yeah. And then we go into motor control and then I go into movement variability. Yeah, for sure. That's great because you hit on the head, great piece for motor control, but if you can't, you don't have rotary stability and motor control, lots of things are going to struggle downstream. So that's where, that's where functional bodybuilding gets great. Cause if you haven't done those precursor things, you need to start there. And I know people hate hearing that you need three yeah. years until you can maybe get to that point, but it is what it is. At least there's some honest perspective on it that says, okay, you need to learn how to move and, and function uh, properly. And if you can do that, we can then get into this other steps and stages to create the, the right ideas for their training moving forward. But if you haven't done that, you know, you got to spend lots of time, you know, doing, especially for individuals that haven't been doing anything in an athletic realm. Like I come from a water polo background. I come from an athletic background. I played sports ever since I was growing up when I was five, you know, so I've, I've had a lot of time to develop patterns, right? So if you have those patterns ingrained in your system, right, you, you carry that through into the evolution of the training. And that's why some people are having success with fun functional bodybuilding. But if you haven't done those precursor things, I would recommend that, you know, the listeners that are hearing this, you spend time on motor control, you spend time on rotary stability, you understand how the body moves and you get those things perfect because uh, everything downstream will be more effective. Yeah, definitely, dude. Thanks, man. No, like I said, I know we're coming up with time because you're a busy man. And, <laughs> and <laughs> But I appreciate it. I think this, this was a really good podcast. I think guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, if they want to get a hold of you or ask you questions or see what you're putting out, I know, like I said, OPEX does a really good job of putting out a whole bunch of different um, – videos on movement assessments just in general um yeah. i know you guys are taking on sponsored athletes right now it looks yeah. like right now too so sure. we have any athletes are listening right now and that are no longer going to be deploying or whatever else they want to become competitive in crossfit um yeah. check these guys out also um well i use the saying as like a tactical athlete doesn't need to be a crossfitter <laughs> yeah no for sure yeah i mean there's so much to that and yeah. And uh, we can go into that deeper some other time. We can set up uh, another podcast for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just to hit on that one. Um, but yeah, just uh, www.opexfit.com. Um, we have uh, a coach's certificate program that's fantastic for individuals that are interested in what we learn about and what we're inspired to do. And we also do uh, lots of different coaching ideas as well. So good content, good message. We uh, have learned over time where we need to stay and that's within our lane. We do some things very, very well. And, and that's what we're going to continue to drive forward to do. Uh, another big question, uh, a couple of mindset books that you like to pass off to your athletes. Oh, wow, man. That's great. Um, let me think about this. <laughs> oh man. And the reason why I ask this, cause I get asked this all the time also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let, let me just, let me introduce a couple books. I think there's a couple of things okay. that uh, 
I can hit on. The first one is uh, it's, it's T S Wiley. Um, it's, is the, uh, is the author. Um, and it's called lights out. It's a okay, book yeah. that uh, is incredibly, uh, impactful in terms of giving a lot of people perspective on the reality of good, of good sleep. I think it's a book that, you know, almost everyone can, uh, can learn from. Um, Legacy is a book. Um, if you haven't heard of it, it's the stories of, the story of the all blacks. Um, and they're a rugby team that in terms of the, um, the mindset idea is a fantastic, uh, understanding of, uh, the respect and trust that, individual develop on a team. So I think for tactical athletes, that's a perfect uh, uh, example for them to get into. It also just uh, gives a lot in terms of um, the individual embracing themselves and also being part of a bigger picture. And I think it has a lot of great messages within it. Um, and then the other one, uh, real quick, the last one, I guess I, I would recommend is extreme ownership, which I'm sure a lot of people are very familiar yeah. with it, but they haven't um, taken a look at that or, or read into it. It's a fantastic book. Um, and then the power of now, I guess would be the last one. Um, the power of now is by Eckhart Tolle. Sorry. Uh, it's by Eckhart Tolle. It's a, it's a good, uh, guide. It's, it's, I think it's called a guide to spiritual enlightenment, but that's a really cool one that has some great ideas in terms of, um, um, meditation, just, you know, uh, the, the individual and their continuum within life. Um, it, it makes people really aware of a lot of different things uh, that they can see fulfillment in. So I think those would be my, uh, my recommendations. Awesome, dude. Hey, Mike, again, thank you for your time, bro. And I appreciate it very much, dude. Yeah, anytime, man. Thanks.